Welcome back to another episode of The Broncast, a podcast all about the Ford Bronco. I'm your host, John Melton. I'm Donnie Whiteman. We are two Bronco enthusiasts who love talking about the Ford Bronco. We own Broncos. We work on Broncos from generation one through generation six. Our sponsor for this episode is Tom's Off-Road and ARP Fasteners, automotive racing products. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a trip John made to Medford, Oregon, servicing your early Bronco brakes, a cool Gen 6 lift kit, and a little history on the UTV 4x4 market from 1960 to 1964. All right, here we go. Kicking off episode number two of the Broncast. That's exciting. You were just, uh, you were on the road. You were in Medford, Oregon? What's yeah, there? yeah. Well, uh, my parents live in Medford, um, and uh, so the whole family came up. But more importantly, and more what to do with this podcast is uh, Tom's <laughs> Off Road, formerly Tom's Bronco Parts. They have uh, their yearly event is up there, and their their shop is up there as well. So it's one of those things where they're always um, uh, doing stuff up there. But yeah, so I went up there to go hang out at their event and uh, hang out with my parents. Um, but man, I love like there is something totally different. So I go to the, all the Bronco super celebration East events every year. Um, amazing event. You should definitely go, but getting out and going to a West event is, it just feels different. Like there, the, I don't know what it is. Like it just has a different feeling, um, than, than some of these East coast events. And, um, and it's fun though, because some people make the trek, man, like, um, uh, the JB shifters, um, those guys, John and, oh, they're going to hate that. I forgot their name, but, um, the guys that make those shifters, they made it out to Supercell East. They make it out to all these events. So I get to see them everywhere. And, um, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. They bring their Bronco out to all these, all these different events, but yeah, so I got to, got to hang out at that event and, um, it's a cool event because they start, uh, with like a Bronco drive. They go either, you can either do like wheeling um on the mcgrew trail or you can go up to uh crater lake um which is a beautiful like three hour drive so it's like all these beautiful broncos driving around on friday and then saturday they have like the show event then they go to all these wineries and breweries it's just cool it's like a fun fun event and um and i love you get to see like the uh, staff that you work with regularly. Like I met, you know, Freddie, who you always deal with Frankie, um, Frankie, yeah. Frankie. Yeah. Um, at, uh, at the event. And so we got to hang out with him. Um, but you know, it's like you call these shops all the time and, you know, talk to people about your Bronco and being able to get there and meet them. It's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed that event. What have you been, what have you been doing? I didn't go anywhere again. <laughs> Maybe, maybe next week I'll get to go somewhere. You know what I did? I, I sat on my sofa and I read my favorite magazine, Bronco Driver. Yes. You know, and it has this, let's see, which issue is this? Uh, number 88. Issue so it's 88. pretty, pretty recent. And uh, this one has a, a race red Gen 6 Bronco like mine. But um, in this issue, they, they show BDS converting it to a half cab. That thing is cool. Which is pretty sick. It's called, I think you find it on the internet. It's called... Uh, 
command fire bronco yeah 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 fire command bronco Mm -hmm. um so and uh yeah it's it's pretty amazing they threw every part and lift kit and skid plate you can put on this thing bumpers lights is it's awesome i saw it was at the uh the bds uh, bronco was at the uh uh bronco event in sand hollow utah in march um united by bronco that event it was pretty cool definitely a cool bronco to see well, moving into uh, our podcast here, little uh, DIY or PAY. We started this last week. Um, you know, do you do it yourself or do you pay PAY someone to do it for you? Last week we were talking about fluids. We were talking about um, the first things that you should check under your Bronco when you first get a Gen One. Um, you know, for Anything less than $45,000, you should be checking these things. It's going to leak somewhere yeah. <laughs> or everywhere. Um, but moving on from that, you know, if the first thing you do is you check for leaks, the second thing you want to do is you want to check your brakes. Um, what are you What are you looking at uh, there with brakes? Well, talk us, talk us through what would someone expect on their Bronco, on their first gen, it, with their brakes. Well, the funny thing about the brakes is, you know, the, the Bronco was kind of the stepchild at Ford. The Mustang got everything. <laughs> and if the Bronco was lucky, they could get apart from another vehicle, you know. Um, and, and the brakes were, uh, you know, there were enough brakes if you didn't do anything to the truck. If you didn't lift it and put giant tires on it and throw 400 pounds worth of bumpers and <laughs> you just start throwing all this weight on it and you don't upgrade the brakes. So, you know, factory, you know, they didn't even have a brake booster. So, yeah. you know, of course, no disc brakes, you know. Yeah. So, you know, um, it basically, you know, the you start with the brakes, you know, that you can do, there's all kinds of great upgrades you can do to the brakes. You can as, as simply as um, maintain and service your brakes. You know, that's probably the most important thing because most Broncos that I get in the shop are like, it doesn't stop. You know, that's almost what all of them say. So, you know, we offer um, a brake booster kit, you know, which has like a dual diaphragm booster. So it's like having twice the boost on the brakes. Um, But, you know, a rebuild, which is something you can do yourself. Even these brake booster kits you can do at home. They're maybe a two wrench, yeah, two to three wrench job, you know, um, out of five. So, and then of course there's the disc brake conversion, which is, you know, going all out, you know, you can spend, um, all kinds of money on that and it will, it will stop on a dime. It'll stand on its nose practically. So, and I always tell people, you know, if you, if you aren't ready to do the disc brake kit, um, I think the booster is a great option, uh, just something easy to buy and you kind of just pull off the old master cylinder, put on the booster and then the master cylinder on the end. Um, but I would say adjusting your brakes is an important thing that, you know, a lot of old, uh, these new car people don't really know. Like it, it's something that I didn't really know how to do before I got my Bronco. Like what you can adjust your, your, uh, drum brakes so that it stops better, you know, like, um, but it's true, you know, there's, they've, they made it with that little cutout in the back of the, um, the drum brake uh, caliper or the, not the caliper, but the backing plate. And you just take a screwdriver and you adjust the, your drum brakes um, with that little star wheel inside um, up or down to tighten or loosen them. Because what you want is you want it to be one click away from drag. So, you know, you want to adjust it so that the drum brakes are 
one click away from touching the drum at all times. So jack your the front of your Bronco up, you know, leave the wheel on, adjust it, and then by hand just turn the wheel. And if it is slowing itself down, that means that you, you know, your drum brakes are adjusted all the way out and they're touching. So just go one click back so that when you turn the wheel, it's not, you know, spinning. And then, then your brakes are adjusted. You do it to all four wheels, man, you're, you're going to stop great. Um, and I always tell people, if you're having brake problems, go out to a gravel road, get up to 30 miles an hour and lock up your brakes mm-hmm. on purpose, you know, on gravel, it's pretty easy. And look at your skid marks, you know, did all four tires lock up at the same time? Was it just your back tires? Was it just your passenger front tire? Um, and kind of look at what is locking up and figure out why the other ones aren't locking up or how to adjust it so you can get, you know, all four of them to lock up together at the same time. And if, and if you do decide to tackle that job uh, and you get into the front, you, you're probably going to find that, that um, the fronts are operational, they're out of adjustment, need new shoes. Uh, but when you get to the back, you may not find any shoes. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> common to go back there and one shoe's practically gone and the other one has all of its pad on it so because yeah. uh people just tend to rely on the fronts it's like hey it stops yeah 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 definitely and, you know pulling the tire off taking the hub um you know assemble or the uh drum the yeah. drum off is quite a challenge if you've never <laughs> done it before so that's the toughest part about rebuilding your drum brakes is actually getting that drum off because it's probably rusted onto uh, your Bronco. So it's, you know, going to be, I had to cut on the 74 I'm working on. I had to cut, you know, cut them off with a angle grinder and just hammer it out. But, um, but yeah, once you get that off, I mean, really DIY, I would, I would definitely DIY a drum brake, rebuilding your drum brakes, because it's something that it's easy to do, easy enough to do. It's, it's a challenge, but it's easy enough to do. I like your wrench too. I'd say it's two, two to three wrenches and a big hammer and a big hammer. Yeah. Maybe a blowtorch. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, but it's, it's so rewarding and you're going to feel like you accomplished something. Well, and, and you have, you have a video on yeah, that. I've, totally. I've watched a bunch of break videos and, and you, you do a good job of showing the parts and what you're doing and, and adjusting the brakes. You show the wheel. So yeah. I've seen yeah. videos where you just see the back of somebody. It's like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> I, I want to be around you looking at the video. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely um, uh, with the brakes, I would DIY. DIY those. Get get your brakes get your brakes working well. And I like what you said about upgrades. Like um, there's some cool upgrades up there. And I would say upgrades, like swapping to disc brakes is a little bit more. Um, that, that would be a good one to pay someone to do. Um, but uh, you know, just doing a brake booster or something like that's a, a good DIY. Yeah, that that's you know you can do that in a day easy. So and you have immediate results. Yeah, and everything bolts right in. Right, like there, you, there's no fabrication required. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Well, moving on, we uh, answered some questions last week in our first episode. Got a question in this week because everybody loves Donnie. Uh, this question's for you. Um, and it says, Hey Donnie, you said in the last episode that you make Bronco tubs. 
you actually put them together. You don't make them. But uh, what's the biggest lesson that you have learned from fitting the panels together? <laughs> I yeah, feel like this, this is uh, this that, is sum up your entire work history <laughs> without <laughs> giving all the secret sauce yeah. away. The you know the, some it's not unlike building anything else. The foundation is what's so important. So the more time you take measuring everything, getting it square, symmetrical. You know, use if you can get a level surface, use levels. Um, but the time that you spend on that means that when you go to put the skin or, or all the body panels onto that, uh, stuff just lines up so much better. And, you know, people tend to look right across the top of the doors and the top of the beds, and they want to see that those are straight across. There's no drop. Um, they want to see that style line that's just below the shoulder. There's that nice yeah. seam that makes the Bronco so good looking. Um, you know, they look at that. It's got a gentle bow on both sides. So those are things that uh, if if you don't get the foundation right, it's almost impossible to get that line where you want it. So, um, and you know, and, you know, it's funny. One of the sayings in, with all the body shops are, you know, people make panels and it's the body shop's job to make them fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, some panels fit better than others. You know, right. we like the ones that we can buy and they fit and maybe just have to take the e-code off so we can weld them on. Um, those are our favorites. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the time that you spend with each part ends up making the final product so much better. If you can install parts where you don't have tension in the part, then everything's just going to work better for you. Oh, that's a good way to put it. I've never heard that. If you yeah. install it without tension. Because I've heard a lot of guys, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I'll put in a tack, couple tack welds and then you know bend it into place, kind of thing. But that's that's definitely adding some good tension in there. Yeah, we want to literally get the part to just fit. You know, um, yeah. at one point we we're doing a quarter panel. I was talking to someone. I said, you know, think of this as a piece of glass. You know, if you have to bend the corners so hard that it's going to break, you really haven't fitted the part properly yet. Wow. Yeah. What um, this is a follow up question just in my brain. Where, so if you were building a tub, um, and I think of, I don't know if you ever saw Matt's garage on YouTube, he started building his tub and he got totally discouraged and got off and gave up because he was stuck. Where would you recommend if someone were starting from scratch or they were like going to replace, you know, almost every panel on their Bronco where do you start? Do you start at the firewall? Do you start at doors? Do you have a quick answer for that? Mm. I know that's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, it's funny that the trucks all seem to rust in about the same spot and they're, <laughs> and they're critical spots like yeah. the B pillar or what's called the striker post across that. It's like, how do you fix that? You know, mm. you can buy uh, a new floor pan assembly and they're, they're reasonable. They're under a thousand dollars and it's i think it's 15 pieces of metal already put together for you really yeah and it's like so from there you would add the firewall going forward oh, and yeah. going back you would build the bed and you you can literally build an entire bed and attach it as an assembly to the floor pan it's, it's not how we build them in the shop but it can be done that way and the results are good yeah so um and i would think a guy building his own tub or fixing his truck would be happy but many pickup trucks the beds are rusted out and people will just buy a new bed assembly yep and uh you know that's how they essentially think of the bronco the same way it's a bed on a floor pan and then you've got the firewall and going forward they're they're pretty basic yeah that's interesting that's a good way to think about it yeah and let's talk about things that we we really like to do, which is buy parts. 
I buy parts every week. Yep. Just don't tell my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have them shipped here. You know, the ones that come home. I have. I get in trouble for. I have carts in um, probably every Bronco site full of parts. <laughs> like, you know, just saved carts like on, on their websites, you know, just like, hmm, one day I'm going to buy all of this. And one day I'm going to buy all of this. And how much is it if I get everything here? So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you. What's it? So we each pick a part every yeah. week, and yep. um, well, what's your part this week? So I wanted to give a little love to our Generation Six Bronco owners, the Gen Six guys, uh, because you know they're if if they're uh, bro- new Bronco owners, maybe they don't have a Gen One. They're uh, they're looking for some good parts to buy, and I've I've talked to a lot of different people about different stuff, but. Um, I would say for the Gen 6, one of my favorite parts is the uh, GRT Perch Collar Lift. And I installed one of these, uh, well, I let Garrett install it uh, at his shop, and I filmed it um, on Bronco Nation. And and, um, he let me do some of the work. But, man, the little perch collar lift for a Sasquatch uh, Gen 6 Bronco is a great, great lift. I think it, I think he sells it on his website for 250 bucks and it's wow. literally just a piece of metal that slides over the shock collar uh, and the spring sits on top of it. And that's what gives the lift then to the Bronco, which is a lot better option than a puck style lift where a puck just sits on top of the, the shock in the spring because that puck will actually scoot down uh, the geometry of that whole um, coil uh, coil and shock uh, assembly, which means that it will droop further down and it'll actually knock up against your um, uh, some of your components there under the Bronco. So the perch collar doesn't change that geometry. So it's actually safer to use if you're going off road. Now, if you're just mall crawling, then the, the puck collar or the puck lift is, is, uh, just as good. But, um, but yeah, so that perch collar lift is, uh, is a favorite, uh, favorite of mine for sure. Well, and the, that's the first thing I want to do to my two door gen six is it's just like, ah, oh, it just needs to be a couple inches taller. It would just be perfect. And I think the, the four doors too, the 35 inch tires need a little bit more room. Now, Donnie doesn't know that I'm going to do this. Um, so it's a little uh, surprise for him. Um, but Donnie uh, is, we may not even be able to talk about this yet, but Donnie's Bronco is over at Ian's shop, um, or it's going to be at the Big Tire Garage. And one of my clients is Ian Johnson, who has a show, Four Wheeler on Motor Trend. And so if you want to see, Donnie's Bronco getting um, some sweet upgrades. It's going to be on four wheeler. And today Ian texted me and said, Hey, are you doing the recording your podcast today? And I was like, I am. And he was like, well, when you're on air, you need to show some pictures to Donnie of, of the shocks and, uh, and of the uh, everything that he's got coming his way. So there are your um, icon. What are those? Um, Control arms? Yeah, wow. Icon control arms, billet. That looks like it belongs on a spaceship. Oh, I mean. That's awesome. It is amazing. And uh, there's the shock and reservoir. Oh, yeah. Um, And uh, there are your tires. Oh, yeah. Look at those, man. Those are the icon wheels. Yep. Yeah. And the the gray, too. That's going to really pop. Oh, those are 37s. 
Those are enormous. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Thompson, 37s. Oh, they're going to be beautiful. That's it's, awesome. That's yeah. going to that's gonna lift it up like four and a half inches. So I'm going to have to get those rope handles so yeah. my <laughs> wife can climb in the truck. She can barely get in it now. So, and, you know, I, I was talking about the perch collar, you know, how easy that is. This, the suspension that you're getting is like new control arms. It is a complete lift and it's almost $10,000 from icon. Like that is a, that's a big investment. Um, but obviously you can get a lot more lift out of it. You can get, um, mm. a lot more, uh, you know, your angles are going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot more off-road capable. Um, but you're paying for that. So for all of you gen six guys who are looking for like, Hey, what, what are the different lifts that I can get? Well, when you look at, you know, just a little perch collar lift, you aren't going to be able to get as much angles. You're, you're not going to get as much flex out of that lift as if, you know, you're going with the icon, um, $10,000 package. So little, little gen six, uh, action there. Oh yeah. Uh, that's nice. Now yeah. you got me all excited about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That episode probably won't come out for another couple of months, but, uh, yeah, he sent that to me today. We'll keep everyone posted on yeah, that. For yeah, for sure. What's uh, what's your your part for today? Uh, you know, I install a lot of these. We talked uh, previously about brake booster kits, and I just got to be honest. The um, the brake booster kit for the money makes the uh, biggest improvement on the brakes, um, especially if it's lifted. It's got thirty three inch tires. You know, um, it, it just makes a huge difference, and uh, it, it's easy to install. Yeah, give it two, two and a half wrenches. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, it doesn't take a lot of time to do, and uh, the the results are immediate. So, for me, like stopping is almost more important than anything because uh, I like the lifted trucks yeah. with the big tires, and you need more brakes. Yep, yep, yeah. I did that uh, on my seventy five, and. Super easy install, just putting on the brake booster. Um, the adjustment was uh, something that I kind of had to figure out where, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you put the master cylinder on the booster, you need that rod um, that's there. That's almost, you know, it, it's, it is pushing on the master cylinder. So and then you just, you back, just it off. back it off. Yeah. yeah. So you need to put it on so your master cylinder doesn't fit all the way. Then you just back it off a little bit so it just barely, you know, it's yeah. like mated perfectly. But I, th I feel like the instructions are pretty yeah, good. I, I've totally. installed three different brands. And oh, yeah. The, yeah, the one that we're doing uh, this week in the shop is a Tom's yeah. kit. Yeah. And we got that. We got that along with a bunch of other things. But yeah. the, the Tom's kit was kind of cool. It comes with... Uh, um, a coated brake reservoir instead oh, of the nice. steel reservoir that, um, and there's this Rusts. coated black and, you know, they immediately, uh, you know, if you don't, I, we usually clear coat the old steel ones yeah. so that they still look silver and they don't turn to rust immediately. So that's kind of a little trick you can do. Um, but, uh, this new one looks great. It's got like an oval reservoir lid that's CNC'd. Um, so it's just a really nice looking brake booster and it fits over, it's designed to fit right over at an angle the stock inner fender tub. Nice. So no modification required there. Nice. Yeah, so moving on a little bit, we want to touch on history just a little bit before we finish this episode and uh, talk about more things that were leading up to the Bronco before they even came out with the name for it. And um, some of the things that had happened 
um, since World War II is uh, 1950. That was the advent of the interstate system throughout the United States. And, you know, imagine driving a World War II Jeep on the interstate, you know, and the speed limits are 60 miles an hour plus, you know, and yeah. it's completely topped out probably all over the road. And uh, so Ford had some objectives that they had come up with for the Bronco on things that they wanted to achieve with it. And uh, and then with the interstate, it's like, hey, you know, we want this thing to be comfortable on the highway. So that was one of the things that was important to them. So that while they were studying the uh, UTV market at the time, that's in the process of transitioning to an SUV market, as we think of it today, was like, how can we make these more comfortable? How can we, you know, like a modern SUV is today, those were their concerns back in 1960. And um, the market in 1960 was a total of 11,000 units were sold. That's between, wow. you know, Willys and Scout had just come out. Um, and then 61, uh, when the Scout did come out, um, I think it grew to about 32,000 units. Oh, wow. So the Scout yeah. doubled the size of, of yeah. that market. And Ford was watching this and saying, we need to get in right now. So in 1964, the market segment had uh, matured. It was about 40,000 units a year. It sort of plateaued. You not only had uh, Jeep and Scout in the market, you had um, Toyota Land Cruisers in there. And uh, But I think Jeep, Jeep and Scout were about 85% of the market. Mm. So Ford's like, we got to get in here. We got we to gotta get going. Yeah. Um, so uh, they wanted to create a vehicle after doing all their market research that they talked to hundreds and hundreds of people without letting them know they were Ford because um, they didn't yeah. want to let anyone know they were getting into the market. And yeah. um, what they were looking at is something that was uh, had less rain coming in. <laughs> that was actually <laughs> number one on their list. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, fewer leaks, um, more insulated, more comfortable, you can huh. contain the heat, where someone could actually maybe drive this to work every day. Yeah. And uh, it could be driven on the highways at highway speeds. And the Bronco was amazing on the highway. You know, they had developed this new um, axle with coils or springs on top. And yeah. it's very different than a leaf spring front end. Yeah, because the Scout was a leaf spring front end. The Jeeps were, and Ford all of a sudden goes to this other coiled coil springs, coil sprung front end. Yeah, yeah. So it did everything better, you know, cornered yeah. better, rode better, smoother. Um, so they were it had, uh, you know, approach angles were better. You didn't yeah. have these shackles and things hanging down in the front. So, um, yeah, everything was better. Um, and, you know, like I said, the most important to them, uh, you know, it was, this is funny, but it was like better paint jobs. <laughs> You know, apparently paint was an issue back then. Wow. They wanted better a better looking vehicle than a uh, Jeep. And, and wow, a, a Scout did look different than a Jeep, though. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Scout and Ford look very similar, like how those came out. But the Bronco definitely looked different than than the Jeep. I, I think that's so interesting, though, that some of their objectives coming out. You know, like. It really was. I mean, and it is, if you don't have it lifted and you have small radial tires, it is real, really comfortable to drive just down the road. You know, it's it's easy to drive um, and probably easy to go pretty fast in, but it's when you start jacking it up and putting big tires on it and like we all love to do, you know, that's when all the geometry of the steering and suspension get all messed up and you start getting introducing death wobble or you ruin your caster angle and you're 
you know, truck doesn't go back to center or whatever it is. And, um, you know, you mess all that stuff up. So it's interesting that those were some of their objectives, obviously from getting market research back from people who own Jeeps and who own the scouts and land cruisers and all that. And yeah, it's such a, it, it, it's such an interesting, like when you think back on those times, it's such an interesting era to be entering into and you know you don't really yeah you called it what was it utv the yeah. utv market what yeah. did that yeah mean? well it uh, so um utility vehicle oh, you yeah. know and then yeah. it, it went from they were taking it from utility to sport utility vehicle like yeah. we think of them today was like what what do we need to grow this market instead of just getting some of that pie it's just like people want all these things when they were asking them here's the things i don't like about my willies or my, yeah know, my scout. And so they were trying to address those and, and come out with their own product. And, uh, cool. you know, I want to talk about also is the, is the fact that they hadn't come up with the name even at this point yet. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So in 1964, um, I think it was like in July of 64, they had a meeting with all the execs and it was in the rotunda, which is part of the design center. And it's actually a giant, uh, you know, what do you call those? It spins around on the oh, floor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like a lazy, like a lazy Susan. Susan. Yeah, yeah that's I didn't right. want to say that, but okay. <laughs> so sorry if your name's Susan. Um, but the, and it was really cool because it's all curtained off, and everyone can stand around it as it rotates. You can see the different angles, and they had a clay model of it in July oh. in '64, and um, you know everybody's looking at it, making their notes, deciding what they should do, and in the financial department, or executives are like, oh, "We give it five years." You know, wow. we're going to, we'll give you the money for five years and, you know, we'll give you, uh, I think they started out with, I don't know how long the money lasted, but to develop the truck, they, they were given like $10 million Wow. two months later. But, you know, everybody else at Ford, the design engineers and the truck group and all, they're like, oh yeah, so it's going to go way longer than five years. I don't think they expected that first design, which is almost exactly like the clay model. It's amazing. It, huh. uh, you would just think it's a regular Bronco. They, yeah. they nailed it. Yeah. That's super cool. I, I I love I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah, it's like the history of hey, we'll give this five years. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like the company. Some of the people in the company didn't even believe in in what was, but it really did change the market um, for SUVs, the sport utility vehicle. And uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they they doubled the market when they got into it. And uh, what's so we'll talk about. Uh, how they came up, the marketing department, you know, once the money's dished out, the marketing department comes <laughs> in and uh, doesn't take over, but they start making decisions for the engineers and they have to design around those decisions and things. That's just kind of wow. how it goes. But um, we'll talk about that next time. And uh, if you want to see a picture of that clay model truck, it, it's in Todd Zercher's book that we talked about last time. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you guys so much for sticking around for another episode of the Broncast. Uh, John and Donnie here. Um, we appreciate you guys listening and we're looking forward to seeing you in future episodes. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Broncast. I'm the technical producer, Josh Toller, and the music you've heard today is brought to you by Adam Nitty. I'd like to thank our hosts, John Melton and Donnie Whiteman. The sponsors for this episode are Tom's Off-Road and ARP, Automotive Racing Products. Head over to our website, thebroncast.com, where you can find full episode notes, 
resources for this show, sponsor product links, and a log of all the podcast episodes and YouTube videos. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time on The Broncast.